I am Riyad Hubala, and this is the Talk to Riyad podcast. I've been in FMCG grocery sales for over 10 years. I've worked for Imperial Tobacco, Kellogg's, and I'm currently at Brindisa Spanish Foods. I've successfully sold and listed lines in Sainsbury's, Waitrose, Boots, Planet Organic, and to independent retailers, Budgens, Londis, and Simply Fresh. In the last few years, I've noticed lots of product innovation on shelf from new and exciting brands. Some of these go on and become household names. Many only make it to a few stores and never see their full potential. To help young brands, I'll be talking to retailers, buyers, and food entrepreneurs. I want to hear what makes them decide to give a product a go on shelf, what supports they need from suppliers to improve sales, and I'll ask them to share best practices every brand should be doing to help get three things right, get on shelf, create sales, and make some profits. Let's begin. Hi, everybody. So episode four, we're here today on the Talk to Riyadh show, and I've got someone really exciting for us to talk to, and that's Amelia Christie Miller, who is the founder of Bold Bean Company. And um, Amelia is on a mission, so I'll let her introduce herself. And part of me thinks she's more on a mission than the business. So the mission is supporting the business, you know? So uh, Amelia has a big mission going on. Amelia, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, it's so great to be here. Yes, um, we are on a mission to make you obsessed with beans by giving you the best of beans. Um, so that is our mission. And as you said, it like kind of is almost, the mission is bigger than the business and it kind of uh, explains why we get up to a lot more than just selling beans. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so it's all about beans. And I must say, how exciting can it be? What, what led you to it? Well, my background was supplying restaurants um, and chefs and connecting them to amazing farmers, growers and producers. And um, you'll know when you're working with chefs, it's really inspiring because chefs have this ability to really dig into some of the issues facing our food system, but also the confidence to make changes within what they're doing and to create new food culture. So whilst I was working with chefs, I recognized that, you know, in this movement towards plant-based cooking, you know, we all want to reduce the amount of meat we're consuming. Chefs were championing beans. They were making them the star of the show, the center of the plate. But then on the flip side, um, I was also working with farmers and producers who were talking about beans and the role they play in our soils and how mm -hmm. they fix the nitrate with with um, fix the soil um, with nitrates so it kind of naturally fertilizes the soil and as anyone who's interested in food sustainability will know the soils are rapidly depleting so it was this work supplying restaurants and being around all these really passionate people that made me being crazy um, and so I knew I had to start a business that made people as obsessed with beans as I was because I was completely convinced that they were the answer to so many of our food system issues and I still am <laughs> hence I'm still here. Uh, thank you so much for that but then are you seeing is that are the changes filtering through our food system. So were we already eating much beans and are we eating more now? What, what, what are you noticing? 
Yes. So when I was doing research in the early days when I had the concept, I was going to the British Library and I was looking at the data and it was very interesting to see that bean consumption was steadily growing after, you know, a century of decline almost. Um, and I thought that was a really, it was very simple, very, you know, very slow and gentle, but it was slowly going up. And I think mm -hmm. that that was what made me realize this is this is where trends are heading. And, it, and at the same time, I was seeing this concept of, meat reduction and the solutions that were given to that. So the solutions for us helping save the world is a fake meat or a fake burger or, mm -hmm. you know, all of these solutions. But the challenge with those solutions is they were ultra processed foods. And everyone knows that ultra processed foods have been more and more linked to cancer, to COVID, to illness, heart disease. And people are also trying to avoid those. So the solution that the industry had given us in terms of here's what you should give your customers here's what the people want to reduce meat was actually at odds with another mega trend which is health and i found that beans kind of sat in the middle of being both plant-based protein but mm -hmm. also being very nutritious and healthy okay and then so you then went on you had the concept how long did it take or let's say how long has the company been running for bold bean so I always say it took about a year and a half from the idea to having mm -hmm. a product. Okay. Um, however, obviously, during that time, I was working um, or I was working part time. So I didn't have my full time on it. I was still kind of building up ideas, building up confidence. Um, and then we launched in May 21. So the business has been trading for nearly two years now, but um, just just over a year and a half. Um, and yeah, so it kind of it didn't it took a year and a year and a bit to launch. And then we've been running for a year and a half. For a year and a half, I must say it's very impressive. I've seen the lines in uh, in Waitrose. I've seen it in independent stores, in delis. So how so before launch, what did you do beyond beyond say once the concept is there, the product is there, what did you do to to, to steamroll uh, uh, the launch once the product was ready? So before launch, I about a year before launch, I set up an Instagram and the Instagram mm -hmm was purely delivering on our mission to make people obsessed with beans. So on that Instagram, I was talking about the benefits of beans. I was sharing inspiring bean recipes. And anyone who I could find that would did a bean recipe, I would comment and say, this looks amazing. And then they'd go, who is this crazy person like barking on about beans? And they'd go onto that Instagram profile and be like, you know, say follow if you want to be inspired to cook more beans. And that really seemed to connect with a small minority of people. Mm -hmm. But what that meant is that before I even launched, I had, I think, you know, over maybe 2,000, 3,000 followers who were already invested in our journey and already invested in our mission and invested in me as someone who was trying to build a bean business. Yeah. So that really helped launch and really helped advocacy when we did launch. And once you had the products to so say before you got to stores, did you, how did you trial it? Was it to your satisfaction? Was it something that you had expected? Was it ready made? 
It was one of those things where I didn't actually test the product on people. I just, once I'd found the kind of beans that we wanted to use and found the kind of the cooking, the cooking method that we wanted to use to reach the perfect deliciousness, I just knew that it was an incredible product. And in hindsight, I was probably naive, as in most businesses, if you're launching a product, you should do a lot more research Mm -hmm. into that stage. But, you know, I always think you have to be a bit crazy to be a founder, because if you spend a lot of time umming and ahhing about X, Y, Z, you'll never do anything. And to be a founder, you need to just get stuff done. So um, whilst it was one of those things where I had just, I had my non-exec who um, was my mentor. I worked with her at my previous company and she helped me kind of decide on the the launching range. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was so confident in the deliciousness of that range that it was blind faith that really saw me through. (laughs) That's, it's really, really interesting to hear because many times you get um, companies that want to launch and they will spend so much money, so much time on testing, piloting, testing, and then by the time they actually launch, it's a completely different idea. So to go with a gut feeling and make it work, you know, well done to you. And um, how many lines have you got now? How many How many bean lines have you got? So we've got six varieties of beans. Um, we've just launched two new ones, which I am so excited about. We've got um, red, queen red beans and queen black beans. Um, mm-hmm. And from a culinary perspective, they just open up so many different opportunities and um, cuisines. So those are the two that we're very excited about. But um, we've, yeah, we've had got two, we've got two organic skews and then the queen chickpeas and the queen butter beans. Okay. And then when th- these are in glass jars and where, where do, where do they come from? Where do you bring them? So what happens is we kind of source the actual beans from a variety of origins, depending on which variety. So, for example, the queen butter bean is the Piekny Yas variety, which is sourced from Poland. Um, And it's a really beautiful butter bean. It's got kind of thin skins. It's very creamy. It's actually not a butter bean at all. It's um, got a different Latin name, but it you know, you can use it in the same way as a butter bean. And that's why we decided to call it a queen butter bean. Because we were like, people can't think that this is a butter bean because it isn't a butter bean. It's so much better. How do we show them that? So we thought queen is the way we do that. Um, So, yes, for example, that. And then our red beans are from Spain um, and they're from kind of near Lyon. Um, And it's one of those things where we we source based on where these bean varieties grow best, where they taste, grow to the most deliciousness and the, the best climate. And then we produce in Spain, okay. um, where we have um, producers who help us kind of perfect the cook the cook style. And as you know, more than anyone, the Spanish know how very well how to kind of conserve products and cook them in this beautiful, elegant way. So if I, if I get a supermarket bean and... Uh and I try it, say blind testing it with the bold bean one, your one, will the difference be really, really, um, um, what's the word, stark? Would it be really there? Yes, I yes, it would. I think the difference, how I like to talk about it is that if you look at a supermarket bean, because they have been neglected as a food for almost a century and regarded as food of the poor, 
they've been commodified. So at every stage of the beans processing, whether that's the sourcing, they are sourced from a, a random origin. They don't know where they come from. They don't care. They're just sourced based on price. Okay. And then they're processed based on price. So they're cooked very quickly. They don't have a soak. So all of this, you know, love, we we, we kind of soak our beans. We, we blast them to get rid of the tough outer skins. And then we slowly cook them for a long period of time. And this preserves the flavor and preserves the texture. Whereas often a canned bean is just cooked as quickly as possible until it's edible um, without any regard for flavor and without any regard for quality. And that's because supermarkets are under pressure to make these products as cheap as possible. Um, and what that does is obviously reduce the quality of the flavor considerably. So what we're trying to show, a bit like how not all coffee is equal, not all beans are equal, and there is room to show people that beans can be phenomenally tasty um, if you put a bit of love into them. And with them being in a glass, um instead of a, a can does it make a difference to to the taste in any way or to preserving them yeah it will it's based around the cook so typically with a can the the time it takes you have to heat it up to a higher level to seal the can which can affect um the cook it often means a higher temperature will reduce the quality of the of the bean whereas because it's in glass jars you don't need to do that as much because yeah. the sealing mechanism is a lid rather than um sealing metal i see okay Sounds good. You know, beans, everybody, you're listening out there, you know, good for your health, creamy, and I guess um, amazing diet food, right? We, we exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and for you there, once once you've launched them, I see, obviously, there was a lot of excitement to get in them. You're on this mission. And then once they were launched in the market, what challenges would you say you faced? If I say, give me five challenges that you thought, oh, I didn't expect that. So I'd say the first one was uh, in the first kind of two years of working on the business. It was loneliness. I was alone and I had put in, you know, uh, my own money and a lot of time into the business. And at that time, because you're not sharing it with anyone, because no one else has invested their time in, or money into the business, it's all on your shoulders and you feel very alone in that and mm -hmm. you don't even know if you're doing a good job because no one's no one's got a vested interest to tell you and I found that time incredibly lonely and challenging as soon as I took investment and had a team that really changed things for me because I was able to share the business with people share the wins but also having people invest in me made mm -hmm. me realize actually this is worth this is a great business we've got people who believe in me and believe in the business and that made a huge difference um and then I'm trying to think of other other challenges I would say as tiny things like managing product labels. I didn't realize how much needs to, you know, get how much you need to get right on a product label um, from terminology to grammage to spelling mistakes, things like that. That is so something that people don't acknowledge, but product labels are a nightmare. Um, then thirdly, I would say, the cost of living crisis and that driving up uh you know gas and oil that affects our supply chain at every 
angle. Mm -hmm. And as a young business, it's really hard to absorb those costs and also to, you know, push those price increases and things like that through um, because you're new and you don't want to have those tough conversations and you haven't got the track record to be like, you need us still um, because actually you're in the situation where you do need them as well. Um, And then fourth kind of challenge I would say is getting hold of the buyers and getting them to speak to me. I'm sure you know this more than anyone, Riyadh, is, you know, you want their time, you want to convince them, you want to tell them what you're doing, but they're very busy and they're busy on the phone to Heinz, not Little Gold Bean Co. So that's been a real challenge. But when we do get through, they love what we're doing and they're really excited. Um, And then lastly, I'd say the biggest challenge is managing my own time and uh, mental health and fitness and things like that. I find you've only got so many hours in the day and often I can prioritize myself last. So I'm trying to work on that. I'm trying to build back exercise into my routine and giving myself a walk in the afternoon as much as possible because it, it it's got a lot harder to do that over the years. I'm sure. Well, I guess that, that I must say is very important because then if you're feeling good and with a clear mind, then you can make the right uh, decisions. Exactly. Uh, thank, you. thank you for that. Um, that leads me when you mentioned the bias there, I've actually got a question where I'm sure many people listening, young brands listening, it, it will be top of their minds to say um, for you, young business already saying Waitrose and you're in some of these uh, high end stores. How do you what are your top tips? If I say top three tips to engage with a buyer. OK, so I would say, first of all, be shameless and don't don't be embarrassed. You're going to have to follow up. You're going to have to seem like a desperate person. You're going to, you know, try them on LinkedIn, try them on email, try them on Instagram, try them in whatever shape or form. And don't be embarrassed about being desperate because eventually they'll they might even speak to you. And once you've got a conversation, you're like halfway there. That would be my first tip. I'd say second tip is to get your product in their hands and be generous. Don't hold back. I think particularly if you've got a good product, which if you don't have a good product, don't launch your business and um, it's not worth it because it will make your whole journey really hard. But for us, as soon as we know a buyer can taste our product, they are kind of won over. So getting them to try the product is hugely important. Um, And then finally, I would say for us, a lot of our selling point is on Instagram. We share a lot of bean recipes and we're very engaging on there. And I think that what's brilliant about that is that but if buyers can see that, then they're far more likely to actually understand the impact we're having and feel excited about, you know, what we're doing. So I would say that if you have a great Instagram account or following your buyer on there and and getting them to sharing what you're doing in terms of PR and marketing is a really great way of showing them that you're investing in the category, showing them that you're investing in education and showing them that you really care. Because ultimately, if they're going to take a bet on you, they need to know that you're going to be driving sales to your product within their stores. That's a very great point. And also, I guess... The fact that you've already built a following on Instagram, having buyers there and seeing that shows that, look, there's demand for the product. So it makes it makes the risk of them 
taking the product on uh, less if you hopefully you know. <laughs> yes. and i must say amelia for you then how you've launched your own shelf and uh, npd is coming on and you know for those listening npd has a new product that amelia is bringing on how do you keep customers engaged with the brand i think that we are a very authentic brand and we very much put we're very you know vulnerable at times and we're very open about the people behind the brand and i think that people buy into people and i think that because we are very much on show that connects people to what we're doing and i think because we constantly you know, whenever we're thinking of new product development or a marketing campaign or a marketing channel, whatever it may be, we always come back to the mission and think, does this help our mission? You know, launching, uh, for example, a bean snack made out of beans probably wouldn't help our mission because if the customer can't see that it's made of beans, they're not going to change their perception of beans. Yeah. They're going to be like, this is a yummy snack. And actually, that's our job is we need to change the perception of beans. So we always come back to that as a way to guide our strategies, whether when it comes to MPD brand and beyond. And for you, what do you enjoy the most? You know, um, I, I have a feeling what you enjoy the most, but what I'll let you say, what do you enjoy the mission? You know, going out there, talking to us about beans or selling the beans or developing new, new, new bean recipes. Oh, it's so funny. I think what I enjoy the most is when I can see someone tag us on Instagram and say, these are so delicious. Look at the recipe I've done. Because for me, the main thing that gets me excited is us changing consumer behavior and changing their perception of the bean. Um, so if when I see that, in real time, that is what makes me very excited. So that's something I enjoy the most. It's not what I do. It's obviously yeah. an extension and a product of what we do as a team, but that's the bit I enjoy the most. A convert. A the convert, convert. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I think before we end it, you mentioned earlier that you had a mentor. I want to touch on that a little bit. How did that guide you? You know, many people would love to have mentors and especially at these early stages of setting up a business or taking on a new project. How did you find that? It was very fortunate. Fiona Cramp, who um, is an, M an expert in MPD, um, she was the whiz behind the collective yogurt company and developed all of their kind of limited editions and has done many other things since. I actually worked for her at the collective yogurt company so I worked under her um, and when I had this idea I called her just to get her views and you can tell when someone is engaged with what you're doing and immediately she lit up and was really excited and over time you know initially it started with me sharing a few updates and just kind of you know testing it's really hard to ask someone please help me yeah. but you can tell by if you have a good emotional intelligence whether they want to and over time we ended up formalizing our kind of relationship but it really is just finding someone who believes in you and your idea and and kind of giving keeping them in in touch and you know having a mentor in a formal way is um 
is harder. But I, Fiona was one that was ended up being formalized. She's now a non-exec. But for example, Simon Day, I spoke to him early days. I just had a few calls and he, um, he was kind of big at Winterbottom Derby, launched many amazing brands. Um, and in my very early days, I spoke to him. I asked him for some advice and he was brilliant. And he, I didn't have regular calls with him, but he followed my journey. And then later he ended up investing in Bold Beans. So you can have many mentors. And I think mm -hmm. that that is a real advice I'd give to anyone starting a business is, is actually find mini mentors. You don't need one person. I was lucky to have Fiona, but I also needed a mentor in many other categories, which Fiona wasn't an expert in, such as, um, you know, marketing. I had a call with Nicola from Tony's Chocolonely. And you really can find a lot of people out there who want to help you because in the food industry, you're so rarely kind of competitive and is so much love and passion for what we all do. And I think that people want to help each other. Well done to you and to them, you know, for sharing and making it a success. Last question. What's next for Baldwin? Ah, take over the world. No, um, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I think what we really want to do is establish ourselves in the UK first and really, you know, become the leading bean brand. Um, it's not hard because Heinz are obviously baked beans, but they are not beans. And um, we kind of want to get a lot more people tasting us and trialing us. And that will come through further distribution, further innovation and continuous hustle when it comes to marketing. Well done. Amelia, thank you so much for coming on. And, thank uh, you for having me. Forward, definitely. I'm looking forward to catching up again soon.